And we're back. And we're back. Radio broadcasting live from an undisclosed location directly into the occupied zone. This is Ben Gold and Copernicus. Well, I'm Ben Gold. That's Copernicus. Correct. But uh, this is our our second part of the pilot episode. The first part was lost uh, and uh, will never be recovered. Uh, What we're talking about is we're briefly talking about uh, big picture political themes uh, that we're going to... Uh, peel back the layers and delve into deeper in, in coming weeks. But right now we're talking about the inversion of reality that's being mass engineered uh, by the ruling elite uh, through uh, the multinational uh, corporations and through uh, ma- mainstream media. And we're talking about how how it is that so many uh, people have uh, fallen for for this um, for this propaganda. Pernicus? Brilliantly said. We might as well just stop there. I mean, what else is there to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. There's plenty to say. There's plenty to say. We can, there's plenty to unpack. But that was a great summary uh, of where we're going and what we'll be discussing tonight. So I want to talk then about critical race theory, uh, how it, the role it played in on the debate stage right. last night. Yeah. And I want to talk about how it connects to so-called equity, inclusion, and diversity training. Mm-hmm. Uh, being pushed so aggressively, not just in the public, but the private sector too, and obviously on campuses. Yeah, pretty much every facet of our societies. And uh, yeah. you, you know, that was a really, I think, it was a watershed moment uh, when they they included uh, critical race theory question in the conversation last night. You know, in previous election cycles, this would never have been a question, uh, but the fact that this is on the agenda right now, uh, it really speaks to I think the sort of moment we're in where people are starting to question a lot of these unchallenged assumptions about uh, subjects, you know, related to things like critical race theory, where maybe, uh, you know, five years ago, we didn't even know what critical race theory meant. But now that we have a concept and we understand what what it is, you know, now we can really build an opposition to it. Five years ago, we knew something was wrong. We didn't know quite what it was or where it was coming from. We knew there was a toxic package of lies being sold by the media, by academia, about America, about American history, about the the role of race in America. People are pretending that there's this thing called systemic racism, which does not exist categorically. It exists. I'm a denier. I do not believe it exists. Uh, That is is so present in American institutions that non-whites, particularly blacks and Hispanics, uh, can't uh, achieve their goals or are somehow uh, institutionally excluded from American life, which is ridiculous. And it, it, it's been ridiculous to assert that since at least 1970. Well, here's where, you know, it gets interesting is systemic racism does exist, except it's completely the opposite of what they say it is. It exists against white people. Oh, and, right. Uh, That's true. That's true. I, I meant and, what they what their right. definition doesn't exist. Right. I mean, it's, an, it's, yep. it's a night and day inversion of reality. And I think a great Bingo. example, a, a great example of this, Copernicus, um, there are neighborhoods in every city in this country where white individuals cannot go. Uh, now, legally, you could go there, but it's common knowledge that if a white person is alone in one of these environments, uh, they're subject to be attacked, assaulted, robbed, or killed. Uh, and this is, um, you know, but when you flip it over, I mean, are there any geographies where a, a non-white person um, could say the same, where they're not able to go to that because of fear of their life? 
hypothetically, hypothetically, but next to none. I mean, we're talking about extremely rural areas with like five yeah. people. And if they did, I go, mean, it it's almost matter, like it's almost like, like a so, form cares? of a form of apartheid. Yeah, for sure, a form of. I mean, we we have we do have systemic racism against uh, Caucasian Americans in this country. You're right. It's we have a kind. Yeah, I you mean, said it well. Uh, I don't know. Action, I, I think see you it said everywhere. It well. uh, but that's. That's not really, I think, I think what I wanted to get into um, tonight. I know when we're talking about critical race theory sure. and, and white supremacy, you know, white supremacy, that's a, uh, a very particular term that gets thrown a lot or thrown around a lot. And, you know, Donald Trump last night was asked directly. He was asked, asked to disavow it. Um, you know, asking somebody to disavow something uh, is a strange it's a strange question. To ask of somebody, it's you know, a gotcha it's, question. It's deliberately a setup gotcha question. You can't say you can't win. It's a you know, right? You say yes, and you're weak, and you submit to their paradigm, which is wrong. You say right. no. Now, and, now, if, uh, if somebody asks me, racist. you know, to so, yeah. uh, disavow, you know, uh, whatever, you know, Jewish cannibalism. You know, you know, hypothetically. Hypothetically, you know, <laughs> I happen to be Jewish. I do, I do, do disavow Jewish cannibalism where and when it, it occurs uh, throughout history. Then I disavow it. But if somebody asked me that to disavow it publicly in a debate, hell no. You know, that's a uh, that's that's what yeah, it, it's a canard. No, it's and, a power uh, play against you in the debate. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It's a power play against you in the debate. You'd be stupid to feed into that. Not even Biden. Biden was Trump did do the same thing to Biden when he said. You know, uh, it was more valid and justified. But do you support law enforcement? We we'll even say the phrase law enforcement, yeah, he, and he didn't play into it. And he's Biden a pretty weak knows, guy. You know, if, if he plays not that even game, he played into it. I mean, uh, you, you appear weak, and uh, and also you don't want to accept your enemy's premise. You know, if I disavow, if I right, right, you don't you if not if on I their disavow terms, something, not I want to be terms. sure that what I disavow exists, and it, yeah. And by the way, last night Chris Wallace lumped in the militia movement with white supremacists, whatever the fuck those no. even are at this point. I don't know what a white supremacist is. Apparently, uh, apparently Amy Coney Barrett is one, according to some yeah. retard professor somewhere. Who cares? But apparently, uh, people you know, really you know, believe this stuff. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's it a lot of rhetorical supremacists can be whatever a leftist or a non-white person says that it is in any given moment. Uh, but at the same time, you know, these they're supposedly the most evil and, uh, you know, most uh, base and, and, and uh, you know, lowest member of, of society. And they're supposed to be stamped out at every turn. It's really nothing, you know, nothing more than a, uh, a boogeyman at this point, a phantom. You know, it's, it's a scapegoat. Yeah, for sure. And it, that's baked into this whole Marxian uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion training, which is not your not your grandfather's diversity training or sensitivity training. It's uh, something much more sinister, and it's inherently intersectionally Marxist by design, intentionally. And right. this and infectious virus is infecting all our institutions. Underlying the entire meta theory, Very few whether you call it critical race theory or whatever, which I think is an, is a good way to describe it if we're going to be particular. Uh, you know, underlying that the the whole idea of the intersectionality is the assumption that there has to be one group at the top of the pyramid oppressing everyone. You know, uh, in Germany it was the Jews, and it seems that right now it's um, you know uh, straight white 
Christians, yeah. And whites and Christians. Or even Americans. Even native born Americans that are not left right. wing or not that don't renounce Americans. So uh yeah, I mean that's that's critical race there. It's pretty wide you know, I think it's a good thing that um that it's entering the the discussion in a big way. I think it's a good thing that Donald Trump has already criticized it as racist. He's leading the church. I no just, other uh, I just wish that maybe there's some way like we could have we could have done this years ago, Chris. Um, it should have happened sooner, but we right. thought it might go away. And, we didn't uh, realize you know, how persistent the enemy was. The enemy well, will stop at when, when your enemy lives in shadows, crushed, when your en- enemy won't show his true face, and you know only operates through these these proxy groups. You know, it's it becomes very difficult, I think, to string together sure. uh, what's really going on, and I think that's why so many people, you know, buy into the two-party jokes absolutely and the uh, conventional, you know, electoral politics. They they don't even, you know, they're missing the forest for the trees. Sure, and you know, by the way, in the subject of the burn loot murder movement, nobody knows where the money is coming from specifically. That is financing these jets. These organizations, these LLCs, they're making payroll, they're mobilizing, they're coordinating. Who's paying for this? Yes, obviously George Soros is one, one perp, but there must be others. Some people well, even speculate yeah, I mean, the Chinese say, government uh, is involved through some of these huge movement, and there's huge moneyed interests at play. Uh, every corporation has donated, you know, large sums of money uh, to this movement. And that being the case, the fact that there's been almost no journalistic uh, serious interest. Uh, inquiries into where this money is going uh into you know these dark money networks that are fueling the blm movement uh which is intersected with antifa and frighteningly Bingo. intersected with the dnc and the democratic party uh, yeah and sure. so who you know does, all does the together. money go from blm to the joe biden campaign or uh Who planted the seed capital? Who are the big winners here? Of course, big companies are making like, you know, these gun to your head donations and everything. But this, this predates that. And you, there, there have to be larger financial forces in play that are benefiting from this, that are keeping this machine well-oiled and lubricated. Well, it's a big Honestly, operation. Honestly, I imagine the and, Chinese uh, government is involved. You know, there are cells in every city across the country. And, you know, they come out big time in election years, 2016, Correct. 2020. And when... You know they're looking for these cases, right? You know, it's it's the it's the same story, they same story them. every time. Every, and, they cherry uh, pick them selectively. You know, one of these incidents happens, it goes under the radar. No one hears about it for months. Uh, you know, Breonna Taylor back in April or whatever, and then you know, uh, you know, three, four months later, all of a sudden you see it on you know 10, 20 news outlets at at once. You know, overnight the Overnight, the uh, the media kit went out, right? It's a blitz. Somebody's putting together the media kit with the high school yearbook photos and the press release and the uh, cute in in the you know the fact sheet. That doesn't happen Bingo. on its own. There's an organization out here with cells in the various cities that are putting together these media kits that are working you know with the local affiliates and that are creating these astroturfing these incidents, uh, you know, periodically. Bingo. For sure. This is a top-down machine. Even though it, it is decentralized and it is flexible, there is a centralized top-down command and control component. Well, I think that nobody knows who exactly. A challenge, is doing I think, uh, for our side, is that you know we can see 
you know, we can see the hands and the feet of the beast, so to speak, but we can't see the brain and the head or the heart. You know, it's uh, part of the part of it. You know, the real brain trust here is still operating in the shadows and all we can see is the tentacles, you know. We have some vague ideas, maybe not so vague, about who some of these top perpetrators are. Uh, George Soros is one name. Mike Bloomberg appears to be increasingly exposing himself to this. Uh, he bailed out uh, thousands of felons, only black and Hispanic felons in yeah. Florida, to try to tip the scales in Joe Biden's favor. Uh, so we're talking a few, a handful of elite billionaires, their networks, and possibly foreign governments. We cannot, we should not, we'd be naive to oh, absolutely. exclude that. And, you know, it's, it's very um, reassuring, I think, for us to see all these big moneyed interests, all the billionaires, literally almost every billionaire in the country, uh, lining up in lockstep set behind Joe Biden, which tells us that uh, we're back in the right guy in this race. Uh, oh, there's no question about it. The other guy is just... He, he's he's the establishment, bipartisan establishment machine uh, incarnate, except that he's a total empty suit. He's senile yeah. and he can barely spit out a sentence. It's a pretty bizarre calculation on their part, but they have so much power. That they're, and, and that they're you pushing, know, it, it goes back to what we were saying about inverting reality and, uh, you know, believing the narrative versus believing your own eyes. And there are enough people out there who actually believe the narrative that Joe Biden is a competent and strong campaigner, uh, you know, and they dismiss the own evidence, uh, which is, you know, his inability to speak, his inability to do what we're doing right now and have a conversation, right? And uh, Those people are blinded by hate. Yeah. They're blinded by hate for this president. Uh, his pretty common sense agenda uh, they have their own ideas about how they think things should work that are totally contrary to a traditionally understood Americanism. Uh, they're overwhelmingly irreligious, if not openly hostile to faith and people of faith. Right, right. This is and, what we're dealing with. And I guess for people who have that sort of mindset, you know, Joe Biden probably looks like a pretty good guy. He's like an empty vessel, you know, a blank slate, and you can sort of impart your will onto him. Uh, and, you know, Donald Trump on the other Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. And by the way, yeah, go ahead. Chlamydia Harris is not popular. His vice presidential nominee. She did terribly in the Democratic primaries. All of her former staffers hate her. They wrote scathing op-eds about how horrible she was personally. She is. She her career began in California uh, right. through a sexual relationship with the mayor of San Francisco in the '90s. Uh, before that, she had no state commission appointments. She was just a very. And she was an obscure lawyer of some kind. Yeah. It catapulted her to the top of California politics. Chlamydia Harris, as I no, call her, she, uh, is not a popular right. person. But they insist on hoisting her upon no, us. She's never been popular. Valley. She's never Girl, been liked. Washington. I don't know anybody in my life who likes her, who's ever really had anything uh, nice to say about her. She's naturally dislikable, uh, which is probably why she's done so well in Washington, D.C. in politics. Um but, uh, you know, it's the kind of person who <laughs> well checks said. a lot of boxes and in the minds of a Democratic uh, political pundit who thinks of people in terms of these silly data sets, you know, they uh, they think we're all malleable and they think, oh, yeah, you know, this will make a great candidate, ignoring the fact that, you know, uh, she's a total, you know, you know what, and the kind of person you just don't want to be around. Um, but... Uh, well, they're right to an extent. Their their side, those yeah, their right. side, their margin. She's clearly a very power hungry woman. Um, she's she's for sure, no doubt about it. Right, that's her primary. She's not African American uh, by any conventional definition, uh, but 
Right. Of course not. Indo-Jamaican. And by the way, her Jamaican right. family it, were some of the largest slave owners. And her Tamil, which apparently matters to these family was uh, ancient you know, part of the top uh, section of the caste system in India. So these are not. Uh, she's a very, she's a very elite person. Yeah, she's the oppressor, man. Cosmopolitan <laughs> uh, elite. She has nothing in common with the right. It's, yeah, that was how she was raised. I mean, a lot, yeah. a lot Montreal, similar story to Barack Obama, actually. Yeah. Very, but Obama yeah. in the in the beginning had some appeal to people. He was never he wasn't hated from the beginning. But at the same time, the, the media didn't do its job back then by embedding Barack Obama. There was but a, it a also, lot of skeletons. You know, it also is the case that she's a uh, a woman of color, and there is you know as we all know, there's a small pool pool of available talent uh, for qualified. I think uh, you know women of color in in presidential high politics. I mean, there's only so many. How many women of color are in the Senate? You know, um, she may be the only one. There's Tammy Duckworth, who's Asian. That doesn't really count. Um, I thought she might get the nomination for a second because Tammy Duckworth had the whole, you know, veteran thing going for her. She had a Revolutionary War heritage while not being white at the same time. It seemed to check off boxes, too. But the, the, the handicapped optics, optics didn't work for Biden. Only one <laughs> That's right, optics, yeah. You know? And, you know, Biden also requires a, a strong vice president because he's going to uh, re- receive the pillow, you know. Uh, right. A shadow when president. When somebody, right, when somebody moves president. to smother him in president. his sleep, they need they need to have somebody ready to uh, step in to fill his, his shoes. Why why even bother to do that? Uh, he'll, he'll lose his uh, mental faculties beyond recovery within the yeah. next two years, year and a half. She'll, she'll, be the, she'll be the acting president the whole time, and then she'll become the official president once he's hospitalized. Well, I think that uh, to a dementia ward very aptly uh, sums up exactly what the stakes are in this election, Copernicus. Um, and, and with that, I think that's a good note for, for us sure. to uh, finish off this pilot episode tonight. Hopefully this turned out well, and hopefully we can, uh, we can listen to it with some playback. Uh, but okay. Final point. My final point is: here's the deal. America is on the line. Yeah, yeah, it it is. And you know, they always say, uh, "Vote like your life depends on it." And it's kind of cliche. It's kind of uh, whatever. But you know, our lives really do depend on it. Every four years, you know, when you think about an empire in decline, in terminal decline, you know, we don't have the luxury of of not being constantly. You know, playing defense, and you know, if if we lose these these elections, uh, you know, if we don't get the things like Supreme Court nominees, and the other side does, I mean, this is really going to set us back uh, really far, and pre- prevent us from from attempting uh, to dig our way out of this hole beyond recovery. And that's why the Chinese are using this, uh, not just Black Lives Matter, but all kinds of tools and tricks to try to undermine our republic. And uh, we're, we're not going to let that happen. Well, Beijing, that is. We have no right. choice but to <laughs> fight back against the Chinese okay. and their proxies. All right, we're, we're done. Okay.